I feel, and I am going to start with an I statement because this subject is very personal because depending on what side of everything you're on, your idea of what this is, is going to present itself differently. So I feel that it's impractical to be a patriot who doesn't think critically about one's country. This for the ones who are doubted us, counted us out looking down on us. Flex, flex. This for the ones who are turning us acting like they never heard of us. Flex, flex. This for the ones who was laughing, you could never kill my passion. Yeah. Y'all be the reason we spazzing all gas, no lacks. This year I turned 40 is about a journey towards a magical and agitating age. Each week, I'll interview guests, we'll talk, learn a little bit, laugh a lot, and hopefully have a lot of fun. Thanks for joining me. And remember to like, review, subscribe, and find us on social media. So the politics, policies, and spirit in which the country operates can contribute to the level of patriotism one feels, especially among the people who fall into minority groups or those who feel the weight of the wealth gap the most. This is why Cubans fled their country to come to America and yet still represent Cuba and are proud of their Cuban ancestry and roots. Similarly, this is true of Haitians and Colombians and Hmong and even Armenians. These people or their ancestors came to America for one reason or another. Overpopulation, political corruption, war, or to seek fortunes not possible in their home countries. Yet, when asked about their heritage and where they are from, which is really an annoying question, I know, (laughs) but the way they identify themselves is with pride. And they will tell you with pride, I'm representing or I am from or I am, you know, fill in the blank. Sometimes though, with equal passion, they will also explain why they left their home countries to come to America. These stories are usually told with a broken heart and in some cases, their former government or more powerful citizens had a hand in their displacement. I feel, and again, that's that I statement, I feel that it is possible to be both proud and critical of one's homeland. And in the 21st century, we have seen more and more instances of this dual thinking. Personally, I feel lucky to be an American. In spite of the circumstances that brought me to this country or made it possible for me to exist in this country, I am glad that I live in a place in which I can have opinions, earn a living, go to school, and hold office. However, for all of the perks of being American, I can't look past the fact that the rights 
that this country was founded on, the very ones that allow me today to have the privileges that I just listed, do not equally or equitably extend to every American citizen or resident. So this is what I want to chat about today. And today's guests are two people that I feel are still mentors to me as I develop as a person, as an activist, as a teacher, and as a citizen. We're going to discuss critical patriotism and what it means to us and whether this is an accurate description of how some people operate as citizens. We're also going to talk a little bit about the opposite end of that critical patriotism because obviously myself and my two guests, our mindset is more liberal and likely more left than the mindset of others. However, people who are left of center when it comes to politics and when it comes to um, understanding or demanding the right to do things in this country We're not the only ones who are critical of our country. We're not the only kind of critical patriot. So we're going to talk about that side too. I wish that I had a guest on the show who could represent that side well. But my social circle, even though I am friends with conservative people, not all of them are in a position to be able to come on a show like mine and represent that viewpoint without there being repercussions to their livelihood or to their families or in any other aspect. So rather than put them in a position of vulnerability, I will do my best to bring about that argument in that side in the podcast with my guest. All right, here we go. All right. So welcome, welcome, welcome to my podcast this year I turned 40 and this podcast is a um it's a journey and uh Ron you I've known you for I've known you since I was a a young teen and you and Stacy kind of took me under your wing I still consider you guys like mentors like you know big sis big bro I can look up to You know, that's one of the things that I want to do with this show is because I can't have the epic 40th year birthday party that I wanted to have. I want to have conversations with the people that I would have wanted at that party. And so um, that's why you're here. And also to teach me something, because a big part of this show and a big part about turning 40 is kind of having that introspective conversation out loud about where I've been and then also putting myself in a position to figure out where I'm going and what I am learning and how that can be applied. So um, I have potentially three guests today, but we'll see what happens with that third guest. I am going to allow my guests to introduce themselves and I am not going to start with Ron. I am going to start with Mr. Sean McIntosh. Mr. Sean McIntosh, introduce yourself to my listeners. Uh, good evening. I am Sean McIntosh. I'm a friend of Ron as well for, God, Ron, what are we looking at now? Over 20 plus years, close 24, 25? Four, 25, yeah. All right. So we're old. I'm a care coordinator for an insurance company that assists Arkansans with disabilities. So it's not glamorous, not too exciting. I worked at an alternative school 
and a private school for children with uh, developmental disabilities. And I've been a case manager and direct care supervisor with waiver organizations such as Easter Seals and Integrity Incorporated. And yeah, that's about it. I'm very opinionated. Well, that's, All right. that's good. We need opinions. We need opinions on this show. Okay. All right, Mr. Laron. All right. Well, first of all, let me say uh, happy birthday. And I, I realized that COVID did uh, do a couple things. I, I always, as we ran up to the year 2020, was announcing this will be the year of vision, metaphorically, 2020, right? And it actually was truly a year of vision because it allowed us to get rid of all distractions and allowed us an opportunity to do what we said we've never wanted, we never had time to do. You said you wanted to improve yourself by reading. COVID gave you time. Mm. You said you wanted to get closer to your family members. COVID gave you time mm. to get house with family members. You said you wanted to improve your house or your family or yourself. COVID gave you time to do that. Mm. You said you want to be a self-starter and, 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 you know, get your business plan together and all that. COVID gave you time to do it. So now yeah. you can stop saying that I don't have time because what you really mean is you don't have initiative. Yeah. You don't have to get up and go. You don't have the power within yourself to move yourself forward. I'm sorry. I've been a, a motivational speaker and life coach for the past few years. So uh, yeah. this is stuff I'm telling my clients that COVID COVID allowed you time to do that. And so this becomes a great opportunity. So I'm proud of you for using this as an opportunity to not only have those conversations and then later have them dissipate and evaporate in the air, but record them in a way that mm -hmm. not only can you remember them, but you can share them with others. So uh, I applaud you for that. And, and, and I will admonish you for uh, thinking that I'm older than you, big brother. I'm you are. Sean just said. Sean just said he and I've been knowing each other for twenty five years. That's because we started knowing each other at two. So okay. I'm only like twenty. Oh, my fault. I've, I've known you for almost twenty count. years. My fault. <laughs> but but I'm I dye my beard gray. This is I, I, I'm an educator. I'm a, a motivational speaker, as I just said, and life coach. Uh, and I'm an entrepreneur. I have a venue here that's a poetry open mic venue as well as a rental space. So uh, I do a lot of things. Uh, I'm Mr. Miscellaneous, the hip optimist. I am very much part of the hip hop culture and I'm a, a published author, slam poet, a whole lot of stuff. So anyway, educated by day, everything else by night. Okay, so let's get into this show. I'm and I'm recording from a closet. So listeners, if you have realized that the quality of my recordings has gone down a little bit, it's because of my new surroundings and I'm learning how to, to work with this space. So please bear with me. So today's topic is critical patriotism. And the reason why I wanna talk about this is because, I don't know, in the last five years, it seems that I've become more of a critical patriot in that I love my country, but I hate the things that I'm seeing. And I feel that we, we are still complacent. I feel that in the last maybe three years, and especially during 2020, we have, as a country, started waking up more 
you know, that last, that election that, you know, just really showed the face of America, which was the 2016 election, that really awakened in me a lot of, you know what, I can't just exist in this. It's, it's not right to just exist in this. There's, there should be more. There's got to be something else. I want to have this conversation and I want to start with, with you two. What does critical patriotism mean to you? Well, <clears throat> well, initially, I, I don't know if I've ever heard the phrase before being asked to be part of this particular program. However, I think about the Black experience at large as being a case study in critical patriotism, uh, especially since that we find ourselves connecting and uh, a sense of belonging to this country as well as a continent, but, but a, a connection to this country but also being critical of it uh, of the country for not standing up for what it itself said that it was about. So I think that's the first thing that kind of came to my mind. The black experience is an experience that is deep in critical patriotism. Yeah. I would think my definition would probably lean more to maybe you can have love for your country but you still want to see it do better. So to me, sometimes patriot, patriotism can cross over to more nationalism. My country right or wrong. That to me, that's like saying my mother drunk or sober. Mm. Um, I think just because you have a critique about your country doesn't mean that you can't necessarily express love for your country. Mm -hmm. Again, I'll just say my father. I love my dad. As a father, he was a good man. But if I look at him critically, hmm. say, well, you know, he wasn't the best husband to my mother. Now, does that negate all the good that he has done with, with me as raising me? No. But even when I look at him critically, some of the things he did as a husband, there were still things he taught me. Okay, I won't do that. And I think that's what being a critical patriot is, being able to express the love of your country. We have the freedom of speech. That's great. So we should use that speech to speak out on injustices that we see. Right. And I, I love what you said there, using the analogy or using um, your father or a, a parent figure, or even just a family member. I think that we can all say that there are family members that we have whom we love and would probably do anything for, but we also know, you know what? You weren't right in that way. You know, there's something that you could have done better. Or, you know, I, I love you, but I don't like how you treat so-and-so. That, that's great. Both of those are right spot on with what I was thinking when I thought of this topic to cover in this 40-year journey. Um, I found a few definitions um, kind of through anecdotes about what critical patriotism is. So I went to uh, a website called Positive Orgs, 
And I will link this in on the show notes, listeners. So if you want to read the entire article, you can. I adapted a little bit just so that I could read it to you here. So I'm going to read this to you guys and, and then I'll ask you to comment on it. All right. So in 2014, two members of the Russian punk rock protest group Pussy Riot appeared at an Amnesty International concert in New York and did something that got them prison time in Russia. They criticized the Russian government and President Putin in particular. Putin later freed the punk rocksters as part of a general amnesty, which many say was just an attempt to polish his image before the Sochi Olympics. Whatever you think of Pussy Riot, their story illustrates what happens in many places around the world. Criticize the government, go to jail, or worse. In America, however, critical patriotism is a widely practiced core value. Openly criticizing elected officials or opposing government policies won't land you in jail. So are you a critical patriot? Critical patriotism is one of the 10 core values widely shared by Americans. It is defined as tough love of country where criticism of America stems from love of country and desire for improvement. I, I think that we we walk around and it's a part of our sense of entitlement, the opportunity to complain or lament or, or be critical. I, I think that it is very American. I remember going to Bahama for my honeymoon and the man said, yeah, man, you fall off the horse, you just get back on the horse. We know Sue here. <laughs> like, you know, and, and that to me says that not only do we complain all around the world, people look at us as, as sort of, and I know Boiled there's a negative plan on that. Yeah, uh, uh, whiners mm, as, yeah. As, as, as people who whine. And so I guess that's on one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum, we are a country that says we have freedoms. And part of that freedom is that freedom to express ourselves however we want to, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of, of assembly. So with those freedoms, we um, have the freedom to, to even be a little whiny on the worst end and critical on the best end. So. Mm -hmm. I, and, and I think a lot of times we take it for granted that we can do that, you know, and, and that we can walk into an establishment and, and say, oh, man, I wanted this. I think I deserve this. I don't know. That, that's my initial response, which may be way off the mark, but that's sort of how it came to me. Well, I don't I don't think so. I mean, you know, I do I do understand that that idea that we have a sense of entitlement because we do as a country, I think we are probably the most vocal. And I think that's what has emboldened other countries to begin to speak out more is that now that we're such a global community, they're seeing what we're doing here and then they're wanting to do those things in their home countries too, which I think actually in a way is good because nobody should you know, have to be weighed down by government because a society should work in partnership with the people, right? There should, the government and the people need to be working together. It shouldn't be 
the government above everybody else and everybody else is like the minions of the government. But at the same time, the, the, what I want to get at is there, I think there's a difference between being critical and whiny and being critical and doing something. Right. So when I think of, when I actually think of a critical Patriot, I think of Kaepernick. I think of Kaepernick because, and that's Colin Kaepernick, the football player who, um, you know, he took a knee, you know, he started a lot by just doing that one act of defiance. But in taking that knee, he was showing with his body and with the absence of conformity, because it's so easy just to go with it and just, you know, say the pledge or stand for the Star Spangled Banner and not be seen, not bring any attention to yourself. But he didn't just stand there quietly. He kneeled. And that act set off a lot of things. But I think that that was an act of critical patriotism. So I think there are actions that go along with it versus just the vocalization. What about you, Sean? Uh, I would agree with you. I think a lot of people confuse, again, patriotism with nationalism. Like, again, well, you should stand for the Pledge of Allegiance or you shouldn't disrespect the flag. The mm -hmm. flag is a symbol that represents the country. The mm -hmm. country is made up of people. Right. So that's just a piece of cloth. I say that because I come from a family. My uncle, say McIntosh, famously was going to burn the flag mm -hmm. on the state capitol. Mm -hmm. I was in high school. He was a time. critical. He was. He was a critical Definitely. patriot. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, beautiful and man. So I remember it, and people ask me how I felt about it, and it's like, well, I agree with it. The flag was made in China. Right. So right. it's an American flag. It's not. And so that's as American as you can get protesting. This whole country was founded with protests. I mean, the Boston Tea Party, that was a protest. I mean, that was really much kind of kicked off everything. Uh, now, I'm not saying that you have to burn flags or dump tea in harbors and whatnot. But I think speaking out against an injustice, when I'm at work and I know that I'm making more money than some of the women at my job, even though we're all equally qualified, it, it behooves me to speak out and say, hey, this is not right. It's taking an action. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't think that I deserve that money. <laughs> it's just that, yeah, they deserve to be paid equally, equal protections under the law. So I agree with you. Kaepernick was definitely a critical patriot. A lot of people just confuse that with getting online and complaining. Right. Or um, some people who are conservative would think if you're not respecting the flag and supporting our troops, well, just because I wear a pin supporting your husband is a soldier. So you know what I do to support soldiers? I vote for people who are going to look after his best interest when he leaves the service. Giving him a 10% discount at a restaurant is nice, but what happens when he needs medical care? Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think being a patriot is also participating in the political process, voting. Mm -hmm. You know, that is a form of patriotism. Let mm -hmm. me vote for a candidate that's going to represent the values 
for the things that I say I espouse. If mm -hmm. the soldiers and the troops are important, I should vote for people who are going to not just send them to needless wars. And if we're sending them to wars, make sure they have the health care needed to take care of them when they come home. And their and caregivers also, have that too. Right. And the like the families, you're mm -hmm. going to need support. Right. Right. And let me, let me also add, I believe um, critical patriotism is a healthy response and a very human response. Uh, as poets, as, as an artist, as a, a musician, dancer, an actor, I see and have heard all throughout history and even present day where people have been slaughtered for their, their creative expression. So they remain to be, even in the article you read, that was a creative being critical through a creative expression. And a lot of times, you know, we, we're here, comedians say something or we'll see a painting or, or whatever it is, and we may dismiss it. We may see a movie and dismiss it, but I think those become very powerful. And I think governments recognize that. And that's why they use those art forms as propaganda a lot of times, because they, they want to shape and manipulate patriotism to mean what they want it to mean. But I think a lot of critique comes through satire. A lot of critique comes through images. A lot of critique come through, comes through with melody. So I think, and, and it's not only happened in America, I think all around the world, you get it. And that's, that's why you have pirated radios and, and things like that. Right. So I wanna go back to this concept of nationalism versus patriotism, because this is a conversation that I was having with someone and the person that I was talking to felt like they were one and the same. And, you know, in looking at a definition of nationalism, nationalism is where, like Sean said, you know, I, my country above everything else. But nationalism is not something that can just be ascribed to a nation, right? Just a country. It's also something that can be felt by a group of people. So that's why you have black nationalists, you have white nationalists. And the ideology behind those groups is that my people above everyone else, right? So I feel that those groups are like to the extreme of what it means to have pride in one's own people and want the best for one's own people. Patriotism seems to be more inclusive. So what are your, your thoughts on that? Like, how would you define the differences between nationalism and patriotism? And then for me, like shape how that comes together and wanting to fight for better things for all people. Well, I, I think it, it becomes a perspective, a, a, a mindset as to how you, and, and your entry with the word. My entry with the word nationalism came through Malcolm X, hearing his speeches and him talking about black nationalism. And the way he described that was a love for self, you know, a, a, a self exploration, 
what will make me be better and what will make the extended me better my family my community my my you know nation at large um i i have a very positive uh definition for tribalism a lot of people consider that to be a negative thing and i would kind of lump that word in this conversation as well but i think those can be very positive things because it speaks to the first law of nature which is self-preservation you want to preserve who you are and so I, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing i think the bad thing comes into play when you move past just being a healthy community of, of like-minded or, or or you know like cultured people and and try to hurt somebody else because there are also negative connotations assigned to patriotism you know so i think it uh, those words kind of depend on your entry point with them uh i i initially look at patriotism as a negative thing because of how i was introduced to that by by nationally white nationalists really saying hey i'm a patriot so my word association with that is Ku Klux Klan men, skinhead. My, my association with the word nationalist is Malcolm X, the nation of Islam. So uh, I, I think that becomes a very important thing. And, and while this is an English language, right? So I tell my children all the time in school, uh, students, I say rock has many different definitions. It's a living language. It can mean sway back and forth. It can mean a piece of earth. It can mean a type of music. It can mean how you wear your clothes. Rock has, if I say rock and give it no context, then so we have to put words in context. And as a poet, the same way. When I use words as my weapons, then I have to put it in a context to make you understand what I'm talking about. That's interesting because your, your understanding of those words, the connotation that they have for you is the opposite of what they have for me because mm -hmm. when I, if i hear nationalists ascribe to any people group to me it's a negative and you know you've known me forever and you know how my family is i am very proud to be who i am but i don't want to hurt anybody in order to be who i am i don't i'm not moved to violence and you know sometimes i think about like i've come in contact with um some very militant hebrew uh, Israelites, you know, and so when I think of black nationalists, I think of them. To me, they are a different color of the same type of me first ideology that white supremacists have or white nationalists have. So, uh, what about you, Sean? We haven't heard from you over there chomping on the apple. I see you. <laughs> um, when I hear nationalism, that's more like you're putting the the nation along with the state. And most of the time, and I'm with Ron, words do evolve and it can mean a variety of different things. The context where it becomes negative when you hear people put nationalism like it becomes ethnocentric where you're trying to exclude certain groups. Mm. So looking at it nowadays, how a certain group of Americans will see foreigners or immigrants coming to this country. You've got to speak English if you're going to be here. 
which is kind of ironic because the very people who say that usually speak the worst English. They can't even di differentiate Y-O-U-R from Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. <laughs> it's, it's kind of maddening. Oh, and it becomes, if you're going to be an American, you got to speak American. American. You can't <laughs> criticize, yeah. You got to assimilate into the culture, which is weird because we're the melting pot. Right. We're an amalgamation of a variety of cultures. Hamburgers, which are considered an American staple, kind of come from Germany. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, a lot of Pizza. our foods, a lot of Southern foods is a mix of Spanish, African, mm -hmm. you know, uh, indigenous folk and European, you know, uh, but nationalism takes it to that next level, mm -hmm. like where you want to exclude others. And I think this is why um, white people usually get scared when they see black people express black pride, mm -hmm. because white pride means mm -hmm. I'm better than you. Right, mm -hmm. right. Right. Black people say that. Right. You're thinking they think they're better than us. When Black Pride is like, say, there's nothing wrong with me being proud of, you know, uh, rocking a, a dashiki or, right. you know, growing locks or mm. eating soul food. Because it doesn't mean that I think, hey, white people are terrible and their food is bad and their haircuts are whack, whatever. Just mean, hey, I'm proud to be me. Mm. White pride has always been in you know, associated with, I'm better than you. Right. And because of that, I'm above you and should control you. Mm. Uh, patriotism to me, again, is about inclusion, at least from American perspective. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at our Constitution, mm -hmm. you know, regardless that our forefathers, your founding fathers were, you know, slave owners, if you look at the way it's written, all men are created equal. Now, they didn't practice that in general when you think about it, but moving on now, we're all supposed to be equal. We are. We have a hodgepodge. We take, give us your tired masses. Example I can give, uh, you see a lot of Latinos and Hispanics come here. Uh, my girlfriend is Puerto Rican. She got a Puerto Rican pride. She's proud to be an American, though. You know, she expresses her love for her people. She's Puerto Rican. She's an American, but she's Puerto Rican. You can be both here. Mm. You can have pride. And a lot of people come from these various countries because of economic reasons or because maybe they're fleeing a corrupt government. They still love their culture. I understand that, where Ron is coming from with his definition, how he sees them both positive and negative for different reasons. And I agree with his analogy about rock. But I'm yeah. with you. Nationalism scares me more. Colin Kaepernick is a patriot, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Richard Spencer is a nationalist. Mm -hmm. mm. You know, and a, and a lot of times when you, when again as 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 a writer and as a poet, and and even even this 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 way of winning poetry slams that was described to me, the advice was write your poem so that a 14-year-old girl from Montana can understand it. Hmm. So that's, that is sort of the center of language. 
Hmm. If you can, you could talk about drug dealing. You could talk about breakdancing. You could talk about going to space. You could talk about chemical experiments. But as long as you say it to where that 14 year old girl from Montana can understand it, it will communicate to everybody. And so with words like uh, tribalism, patriotism, nationalism, I'm, I will use that not for my purpose and definition necessarily, but more so for the purpose and definition of my audience, the perceived definition that my audience give those words. That, that's sort of the perspective that I write from. So if, if, if I need a, a word there, not only will I use context clues to uh, immerse that word into to make you know where I'm coming from with it, I will try to use whichever word will get across the message I want the best. Let's see, I wonder, you know, we just shared our view on, you know, what the differences or our connotations of the words nationalist and patriot. And so I think that we would agree that words mean different things to different people. And words, the way that we associate meaning for words it starts with our um, experiences with those words. And you illustrated that very well, uh, Ron, because you know you shared about you know, your experiences with first hearing the word nationalist as, a, as in black nationalist. And then you know, we're from the South. And so it is usually when we see a patriot, the loudest patriots are usually the ones who are actually nationalists to me and that sense of we are this and so you know you need to be this like we are or you need to be okay with us being the way that we are and don't criticize us for anything i think that in this country one of the best critical patriots that we've ever had especially in the in the 20th century was martin luther king jr mm-hmm. I, I strongly feel that he was a critical patriot and that his death was evident of that critical patriotism because he, though he started out fighting for the black cause, as his ministry grew and as his reach grew and more people, you know, started coming in to the mission of making sure that black people were given our due he started realizing, wait a minute, there are poor white people who are afflicted by some of the same things that our, my Black people are also afflicted by. And he started turning towards that as he found victories and ensuring like the Black vote and ensuring certain rights for us and visibility, which was the, the main thing that made all of those campaigns successful he started turning towards that. And a lot of people, including his son, would agree that his turn towards the poor people's campaign is what got him killed. Mm -hmm. So that turn, that patriotism value where he's like, wait a minute, these are my brothers and sisters also. So let me do something for them. That is what actually turned the, him into a martyr. Who else would you say would be someone that you would consider a critical patriot who act, who's, who's had actions towards doing things um, for this country? Who else would you say? Well, 
<clears throat> well, see, that's the that's the crazy thing. As you went through what you just said, I was thinking about the definition of critical patriotism that, that we're using for the purpose of this, which is a positive, which is that you are look, looking and evaluating this nation and saying, we can be better. And I love you enough to tell you and want you and will put action behind you being better. So that should define every politician, but it doesn't. Most of the time, if you are a critical patriot, you shy away from politics. You say, man, politics just doesn't work. And it's, so the most critical patriots ought to run for office. You know, they ought to be involved in the political system. That's just sort of a thought I was thinking as you were saying what you were saying. But but in, in some some of the residual of King, uh, he was a, a benchmark in, uh, in 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 a turn, so to speak, where you had, uh, you know, these these. Uh, uh, organizers and civil rights workers transition into the political arena. But Harry Belafonte, um, he was critical, not only of America, but even the civil rights leader. I mean, I had the pleasure of meeting him in North Little Rock. And he said, a lot of the people uh, that were part of the movement literally sold out and got those positions and got the money and got the fame and got the prestige and, and got political positions and, and, and got all that. So um, I don't know. I, I really hadn't answered your question yet, but I, I feel like John Lewis, I feel like um, Muhammad Ali, I feel like uh, probably the most unsung uh, person uh, athletically would be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, who who was a predecessor. He was before Muhammad. I think he was before Muhammad Ali and changing his name. Um, but I mean, somebody was going over his stats the other day, and his stats outshine Michael Jordan. And he just doesn't get to play because I think he was critical. I, I think, um, ironically, somebody like a Richard Pryor. And the only reason I'm saying entertainers is because they kind of come come out. And 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 I would say everybody, in some respect, in the civil rights movement, were were very critical, but wanted to move the nation forward in a positive way. I would think the founders of the the founder of the Me Too movement would be a critical patriot because that's examining how we look at how women are treated in the eyes of the law during sexual assaults, where they have to prove their worth just to even be heard before we even talk about charging a guy. You know, their voices are usually marginalized. I think founder of the Black Lives Matter movement would be critical patriot. There are some politicians who are elected now, Corey Bush would be a critical patriot. Now, like Ron said, entertainers, particularly comedians. Mm -hmm. You look at people like Chris Rock and uh, one of my personal favorites, George Carlin. George Carlin was very critical of America. 
and very critical about laws and religion. Bill Maher might be considered uh, a critical patriot. I think the thing is, when we think critical, we're asking questions. And I think any person who asks questions is going to be considered a critical patriot because, you know, it's not just pointing out everything is wrong. It's like asking questions. To me, Spike Lee would be like a critical patriot. Spike never provides answers with his movements. He makes you think and ask questions. And I think that's very important. And I think sometimes that's what we're afraid to do. We're afraid to ask questions. We're afraid to ask because it might lead us down answers that we're not really ready to deal with. And so that's for people who confuse their patriotism, this blind loyalty. That's that's like a feudal system. That's fealty. Mm-hmm. When I think about people who say, well, I support Donald Trump or I'm loyal. To, well, why? He's just one man and he's a flawed man. So you're mm-hmm. hitching your cart to somebody already flawed. Mm. Like therein lies that when you start attaching yourself to a cult of personality, that's how mm-hmm. you lead from patriotism to nationalism to fascism to totalitarianism. Mm. Right. right, right, right. Hitler started off by giving the people a common enemy. You're not doing well because this group right here. But he started by pumping them up, telling them how great they were and how strong they were. He's like, and the only reason you're not on top now is because of this group, then this other group. Mm-hmm. And giving people someone to hate or blame. And once you do that, once you convince them that, hey, they're these great people and, and they can do all this, if not for these people, over here and it's it happens in america it's starting to happen a lot now ron you talked about branding i think right now the best branders in america is the conservative party Mm -hmm. they took the word woke and turned it to a pejorative ron and i remember when woke meant something totally different stay woke my brother in other words just be aware Mm -hmm. but conservatives have turned into something negative. They turned political correctness to something negative. Mm-hmm. Social justice warrior. Like, what is wrong with wanting justice mm-hmm. for society and fighting for it? They literally turned it into a pejorative. Right. I am a man, and all a conservative has to do now to turn the base against something is to throw out social justice warrior, Marxism. Mm-hmm. Chinese communist, critical race theory. Yeah, wokeism. Woke it. Woke gets you broke. Every time I hear that, I laugh. The oh, Star well. Wars still makes money. The Star Wars is accused of being woke, and every time they, I'm like, they still make over a billion dollars. Like, I would love to be Star Wars broke and woke. <laughs> yeah. So, and again, Ron, you said it best. You have to use phrases that are going to get that 14-year-old girl in Montana. And that's what the conservative party right. does better than anybody else. That right. average American's reading level is on a fifth grade level. Right. Right. So when people were saying defund the police, it was easy for conservatives to turn it. So they're trying to take away the police. Yeah. And I kept telling everybody, I said, here's the problem with liberals. And progressives, you're too damn smart. Mm. Right. Mm. You got to start thinking, the, you got to talk down to a language of the people that they can understand. Right. And be okay with that. Yeah. Be right. okay with that. 
as great as Obama was as an orator. It was something about that country talking, slow Bill Clinton, who could break. He was known as the great communicator or the great explainer or whatever they call it, right? Because he could come into a room, put that pointer finger on that thumb, and, and, and four minutes later, you, you be ready for him. Obama, great orator, could 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 get you emotionally set. But when it came time to to deliver uh, policy stuff, he kind of threw all that 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 you know that that uh, that Columbia and Harvard in there. Yeah, he, well, he threw that in, and he threw out the the I, I'm your dude talking to you thing, you know, mm-hmm. and and so uh, I yeah I, I think it it. it communication boils down to and, and that's essentially um I, I guess as a communicator myself i guess how how i'm looking at these words uh so i'm trying to go deeper than just the words to to what it really means but uh yeah we have to as whatever side you're on and in in for full disclosure i'm i'm i really would probably consider myself an independent because I, I will go whoever I think is the strongest candidate, but that here all my life has been Democrats, but it ain't like I want to claim anybody. I'm just trying to go with the best option for me. So here's, so now listening to you men, and you know, we're having this, we're, we are having this discussion. Let me take a little bit of my Arkansas out of my speech. <laughs> <laughs> I've had this conversation with someone else and they said, well, there's another side of this argument, you know, that a critical patriot is not necessarily going to be a liberal and that liberals and moderates are not the only critical patriots. And the name Rush Limbaugh was thrown out there, Mm -hmm. but it's very difficult for me to see Rush Limbaugh as a critical patriot. I can see him as a nationalist and I see you know his legacy as someone who loved his country as long as it was a certain way, but I don't see him as the same type of critical patriot that is acting or saying things, doing things in a way that's going to uplift the nation as a whole. I see that the ideology that he championed would have only helped a certain segment of the country. Hmm. So is it possible that there are critical patriots out there who are conservative, who whose mindsets are also for the good of all people? I would say Adam Kissinger. He's a conservative. And Navarro, also a conservative. They were critical of conservative president and conservative leader, as well as, you know, the more liberal parts. I mean, they're both Republicans. And when Trump did and said some of the things they said, he said they were the first ones to critique him on it. Now, they and they even say, well, this doesn't reflect conservative values. I still support this. I still support free markets. I st- but I don't support this ideology. So there are some critical um, patriots who can be conservative because to me, 
if you're willing to criticize both sides of the argument, you know, you can not only, I, I'm a liberal and I can say, you know what, Joe Biden really botched this Afghan pullout. You know, this was probably one of the worst botches I've seen in a while. And also say, you know what, the previous administration was foolish for negotiating with the Taliban without the Afghan government. And also still say the Afghan people weren't even willing to fight for themselves. What more can we do? There's a lot to go around. <laughs> like This was a pure, holistic cluster screw up. <laughs> Like, well, see, but I want to. I want to know: Was there any way that that could have gone well, though? Well, see that that's why America Since we brought it up. It, right, America is so crazy; it lends itself for criticism on all sides. Right, because again, going back to those freedoms and those sense of entitlements we have. So when when you go back to that which is baked into our skin. No matter if you a black kid in the alternative school, I talk to him, I'm like, how this kid got a sense of entitlement? But they did to the rich kid with the trust fund. It's not just relegated to one socioeconomic status or anything. It's Americanism to have this sense of, I have an opinion and my opinion is worth sharing and saying and, and should be law. You know, so criticism I think is baked into what being an American is. And so it's, it's not something that's relegated to Republican, Democrat, Green Party, or whoever. I think all of us have access to be critical, especially in America. I mean, the thing is, it's not a big consequence. You know, in other countries, it's a consequence for being critical, but it's not a consequence. So if it were a consequence, then we may weed out some people and we'll see who fall more in line than others. But people like Rush, I I tend to listen to everything from conservative radio and television to NPR and liberal things. I I don't I'm not easily offended by what they may say. I even argue that it was some things Trump said that you know, like okay, I remember I uh, I have a picture I took with Huckabee and, and they were like, man, why'd you take a picture with Huckabee? I said, because he was an advocate for the arts and he put much state money in the art programs. And so for that one issue, I was, I was with him. It's, it's not an all or nothing with me, you know, I, I, and especially as a businessman and an entrepreneur, I realize, and we see in the black community all the time and have those conversations, how can these two people, they don't even like each other, but they work together to get their goal done. And we we can't seem to do it in minority communities like that. Well, I, I have that filter. I have that blockage where I can I can do that. I can I can say, okay, we may have, you know, had words or whatever, but we need to get this goal accomplished. You have a resource, I have resource let's put that together so i think america by who we are just allows for everybody to be critical and that that being able to work across the aisle as they say actually is so important i lean more liberal and like you i don't necessarily want to call myself a democrat but that's how i vote most of the time because those values are what um align with my values 
But I think that John McCain was a good man. I think that he would have been a good president. And depending on who was running against him, I probably would have run, I probably would have voted for him, you know, if it weren't for the fact that a Barack Obama was running against him. I, I definitely can see, you know, it's not necessarily all about just sticking to one's own guns, so to speak, but definitely um, I feel that that criticism should also fall in line with wanting to do something and these are my feelings, something that's going to uplift and benefit every person and not just necessarily one group. And, and let me say this, and Sean can really relate to this, and you may even relate to it a bit as well. So I, I really discovered sort of some secret sauce as a classroom and teaching facilitator, which is for the purpose, again, that rock conversation, for the purpose of this conversation, rock will mean a piece of earth, right? So when I'm in a teacher facilitation and I say integrated thematic unit, let me, let me honor how you think of an integrated thematic unit. Now, once we've gotten all that taken care of, everybody put it all out in the atmosphere, let me tell you what I mean when I say it in the context of this workshop or this room or this uh, you know, program. In this program, integrated thematic unit means this, just so you know. So, uh, and then I talked to the police chief and, and he said a lot of times when people talk about race, the same problem happens. You'll have one person arguing about prejudice, another person arguing about racism, and another person uh, arguing about bias, implicit bias, another person. So all of these things very related, but not the same thing. One person arguing about sexism, another person arguing about homophobia. you like, you think it's related, but... Uh, realize what we're talking about. So sometimes when you enter these conversations, you have to say, this is what critical patriotism is for the purpose of this conversation. I, I will say to me, I'm with you. Uh, to me, critical patriotism should have an outcome that possibly affects all. Mm -hmm. So if I want women to be paid on the same level as men, doesn't mean I think men should be paid less. We should all be paid equally. I think two men want to be married, two women, women want to get married to each other. They should have the same right to be disappointed with marriage just like me. <laughs> I advocate for them to have to go through the same. Oh, guys. <laughs> no, okay, no, that, that's being facetious, but no, I, I feel like they should have the same right to love who they want to love. Uh, I don't see it as an agenda, mm -hmm. you know, or something that's being imposed on me or going to be taken away from me as a heterosexual. You right. know, just this person gets, they should be married just like me and they should, their spouse should be able to have rights to the property just like I would have rights or my spouse would have rights. It's right. love. Right. Let it be that. If they're going to be damned for eternity, well, it's not my place to do that. I got I got my own beam in my eye I got to get out before I'm trying to remove their moat. <laughs> and it doesn't affect you anyway. It so who cares? Me anyway, exactly. Two men are kissing right now and my Wi-Fi is still working. <laughs> it does okay. not affect you. 
That's not affect me. My blood pressure is still high. Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. So I'm sorry. That's my soapbox. If you're just going out criticizing without a solution, you're complaining. Right. You know, you're a complaining patriot. Right. <laughs> right. Right. A critique should be followed up with some form of a solution. Yes, action. Be an action-oriented person. Person, right. I am with you on that. All right. Well, we are down to my favorite part of the show where I play a game with my guests. And the name of my game is Drink With, Live With, Travel With. However, because LaRon does not drink um, often. Please, please. Yeah, I, I I can drink for the purpose of this game. Okay. Yeah. Grandma, oh yay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Well, okay, so the way that we play the game is you will name one person per category that you would want to do each of those things with. So uh, essentially three different people. And the category will be Critical Patriots of America. And uh, either one of you can go first. Who wants to go first? Mm. Mm. And I'll tell you, travel with and live with have always been the hardest for people. I probably wouldn't like this person after doing this, but probably travel with Tupac. I think he was very critical. He was one of the first musicians to ever... I think pose his critique in a way the masses could really galvanize toward it all the way from a street level to an intellectual level. So, I mean, I, there were other artists, of course, in the hip hop genre that that did it. No, but I, I think the way he did it was unique and powerful, and 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 he he backed it with action. He he truly practiced what he preached. So Tupac traveled with him, but I don't think I would like him afterwards. Um, <laughs> think he leaves the bathroom nasty? <laughs> no, I, I just think he has that type of personality that you either love him or you hate him. Mm. And I've been in entertainment long enough to know sometimes you don't want to meet your heroes, right? You don't yeah. want to meet the, your people you're fans of. And so I would just hate it if he would be one of those that be on the wrong side of the coin by mm-hmm. the end of the trip. But I still, I still would be saying, hey, I, me and Tupac rolled out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then, I don't know, I can live with, um, I think Maya Angelou was very critical and she's one of my sheroes. And I think that would be actually enjoyable and drink with, I'll say Obama. I, as as time moves on, my perception of of Obama has shifted. I won't necessarily say it's it's increased or lessened, but it's just shifted because I'm critical of him too. But yeah, I would like to drink with him, and I I think he needs to get loosened up too. So anyway, that's 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 my three. All right. No, it's funny. My guest last week, uh, last show, she also said Obama. She wanted to. Because her thought was, I want to see what he's like when he's not cool. Right. You know, I think I don't still know. I, cool. I think he's unshakable. Yeah, I think he'll still be cool, but he'll stumble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I would like to have a drink with Michelle Obama. I think she'd be fun to talk with. I mean, she seems a little bit more relaxed than Obama. Like, she can have a good time and also still have a very stimulating conversation. Now, I would love to travel with Octavia Button oh. if she was still living. Yeah. One, I'm a science fiction fantasy nerd, and she wrote some tremendous books, and I would like to travel. I actually wouldn't mind that this is a twofer, living with two people. I'd actually like to live with Colin Powell or Condoleezza Rice. Oh, wow. Because yeah. they're conservatives, but uh -huh. they're pretty moderate conservatives. Yeah. And I think I can hold a conversation with them. Condoleezza Rice is actually a sports fan. Now, mm -hmm. she's a Baltimore Ravens fan. I'm a Steelers fan. So that might have some conflict, but I think I think we could have some serious conversations. And I, I would like, like if we could share a condo, I, I would live with those two. Just because I actually like Colin Powell. I've always kind of liked him. Mm -hmm. And I liked him even more when he was at the front of speaking out against certain things that he saw. And I said, I admire him because he's probably thrown away his political career. Mm -hmm. You know, of ever because he could have easily just got along to get along, right. but he didn't. And so I admire someone. I may not agree with trickle down economics, and to me, I don't even what the conservative party looks like anymore. Like I don't even understand their values. There was a time that I'm like you. I could have voted for a John McCain, maybe mm -hmm. even a Mitt Romney, mm -hmm. because they didn't run like really dirty campaigns. No. They tried to run on issues. Mm -hmm. And they had ethics. Have, yeah, they had mm -hmm. ethics. Mm -hmm. And what I saw after that with the Republican Party through Obama's two terms, not that he was the greatest president, mm -hmm. but I got to give him due. Considering what he had to work with, he did okay. Not having anybody work with him. But seeing what the conservative party came during that eight years, I think that's when I became a real critical patriot. <laughs> But I really like Colin Powell and Condoleezza Rice. Uh, I learned to like Condoleezza Rice after she, after she stepped away from politics. Then I started learning more about her, and I'm like, okay, she's not a bad person. Mm -hmm. But Colin Powell always had always had a little respect for him, but grew even more over the last decade. Nice. I think Condoleezza can cook too, so she and I can share recipes. Uh, like <laughs> they be in a condo with Condi. Yeah, <laughs> it's just gonna be very intense when the Ravens and the Steelers play because we're gonna be trash talking. <laughs> we don't want to be anywhere near that. No, we're just gonna get real, it's gonna get ugly, right? It's hot sauce. All right, well, here, so my to drink with, I chose Michael Moore. Ooh, okay. and I, I chose him because of his work. Uh, not just his, um, not just the documentaries that he's created, but also his um, activism. He is a very vocal, very present person who is always challenging the notions of this country. Mm -hmm. And so I would love to sit down and drink with him and just kind of talk about his experience, especially as a, a white person who also champions black issues. 
that is something that's always interesting because you know he could totally live in his privilege and i think that he is the most critical of his own people he's a very critical person of his own people he realizes his privilege and realizes you know what is necessary and so i would love to talk to him i would love to live with langston hughes Mm. um I would love to live with him because he is a poet. I would love to have been in that Harlem Renaissance era because it seemed like there was an awakening there and an opportunity there that I'm not sure that we see it the same. I don't see, I don't see those same opportunities for artists and activists and people of different backgrounds to be together and create and, and challenge in the same way. So I, I guess I kind of romanticize that period a little bit, but I, I would want to live with him. And then finally, even though she does not vote, I would want to travel with Erica Badu. Mm. And Erica Badu to me is a critical patriot. She very much is an American. She talks about being an American, but she also is not blind to the things that are happening in this country. And she'll speak out about that. And not even just politics. She also looks at mindset and the way that we think and the way that we exist in this country. So I want to read this one thing from her. She says that I'm so much part of what that country, meaning America, is. I'm a product of its teaching, of its thinking, of its isms, of its religion, of its <laughs> education. I am conditioned, raised, and developed by America. I am America. So, and I think that that was part of an interview that she did for um, America uh, Part One or Volume One, the double album that she did some time ago. But those would be my people. Those are the ones that I would want to drink with, live with, and travel with. All right. So, gentlemen, I hate that Stacey didn't get a chance to come on, but I'm so glad that you were here. You provided some positive male energy on this conversation. And um, I appreciate you giving me a little bit of your time. And thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Always fun. Yes.